With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen to Gog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Spurs Show in association with William Hill, the official betting sponsor of Tottenham Hotspur. Well, we normally record on a Tuesday. I was expecting a nice quiet evening in. Glass of wine, Liverpool v Leeds, and Tottenham have done it again. What a club. What a club. And uh, to continue to talk about this soap opera, uh, back on the show again, my co-host, Theo Delaney. How are you, Theo? Not bad, not bad, all things considered. Exactly, and there he is. He's, he's in this car. Uh, it's a tribute to Gary Newman. Rob Easton, the voice of Doom, returns. How are you, Rob? Very well. I'm looking forward to getting my teeth stuck into this uh, particular podcast. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure you, you, you were the man I had to call for this one. And a man I've been wanting on the show for a long time, one of my oldest friends. Uh, to give you a bit of a background, you can't get more Spurs than as a young 
football writer. He broke the George Graham bung story, thus losing Graham his job at the Woolwich Wanderers. Went on to work for various newspapers, then bizarrely ended up at Chelsea working with Jose Mourinho uh, in the early days of Abramovich as uh, head of communications, now at The Athletic. Simon Greenberg, how are you, Simon? I'm very good. Very upset, but very good. Are you upset? What, what's upset you? Uh, what's upset? Well, I've worked with Mourinho for three years, uh, know him very well, um, have been in regular contact with him, been in regular contact with him only last week. Um, and if there was one person who wanted this to be a success, it was me, because I told him when we were together at Chelsea that one day you'll be Spurs manager. Uh, and he said, and he, he used to ask me about Spurs quite a lot. Um, uh, and he, he said, well, maybe one day, one day. And then when he, when he got the job, this is a story I tell you from the people who were in the room, he was, he was doing all the stuff with Daniel and the other people in the room doing, doing all the contract details. And he stopped he stopped the conversation. He goes, do you know Simon Greenberg? <laughs> and uh, Daniel went, yeah, sure. I've known him for years. And he went, today he will be very happy. He told me one day this would happen. And they carried on some the, um, conversation. I, uh, it's, I, think, I think it's very sad myself because there was so much promise and I can't quite put my finger on why, where it's gone so badly wrong so quickly. Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's what we're here to discuss. Myself, Theo and Rob, we did a show uh, uh, literally four weeks ago after the Dynamo Zagreb debacle and we said it was enough then. Uh, we all agreed it was a question of when it was going to happen. We all agreed he would lose his job a month ago. And since that time, Theo, a month ago, it kind of hasn't got any better. And the Everton game that normally this week we'd be now chatting about was just sums up. It was just dull, directionless, uh, boring. You, again, you know, he changed the system, 17th defensive change this season by him. And you saw Levy sitting there. And I must admit, I had a little thought watching Levy at the end, the camera panned on Daniel Levy. And I sat down, and I don't know the guy at all. And I thought, how much more can he take of this? He's now schlepped up to Everton Friday night, watched an awful game. I know there's the big compensation he's got to lay out, but how much more of this can this this guy take, let alone the fans. And whether, Theo, I don't know if you believe the rumours bearing bad news the day of the announcement of this possible Super League. Timing-wise, very strange. A few days before League Cup final. But this is Tottenham all over the way we handle things, isn't it, Theo? Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, the thing is, he obviously had to go and that's been apparent for ages that, he, that him and the players, it, it was awful. Like All the things you just said, I mean, the players were not playing with any great unity of purpose or esprit de corps or they didn't feel, they didn't look fully motivated. And we've seen this, Benny, we've all been going to Spurs watching football long enough. We, we know when the manager is on borrowed time, when the players have stopped really playing for him. And that was so apparent. Um, so, you know, I, like most Spurs fans, I'm absolutely relieved that he's gone, but it is bizarre timing. And, and because, I mean, if you've got a cup final on Sunday, you just think this can't be better 
preparation for a cup final than having kept him on, can it? I mean, having Ryan Mason in charge. A hundred percent, Theo. Theo, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's completely mad timing. Yeah. Completely mad. Completely mad. May have been some sort of blow up, some sort of, uh, you know, argument, some sort of shouting match or something as, as, because rationally, why would Levy choose this moment? I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. Let's bring Rob in now. Rob, you always said early on, you know, look at the trophies, serial winner. When it gets to finals, he wins them. Uh, here, we've got to a final. Okay, not playing particularly well against a Man City team that you think maybe have one eye on bigger games coming up. And the timing, you know, surely there was an argument to get rid of him if we lost on Sunday, Monday, that's it. No chance of any kind of European football because I think even Europa League is a long shot if we don't win the League Cup. But the fact he's done it on the, uh, apparently he decided on the Friday, apparently called in this morning uh, to do it now. What do you think about the timing? Does it make any sense to you? Well, we have a huge game on Wednesday. You know, we're only five points off the Champions League spot. It's not insurmountable. I mean, it's a, it's a huge moment. And whether you love him or, or hate him, we're in a situation where we are five points off the, off the Champions League. We're well within points of, of a European place. And a cup final, which we haven't obviously won one in, you know, for a number of years. So I, I'm, I, I kind of always knew it would end in tears, didn't you? I mean, it, I like Mourinho. I've always said that, and I love Tottenham. I, I just don't love Tottenham and Mourinho. I, I just never thought it was a good fit. But at this, at this point, I, I mean, obviously, without, without knowing the ins and outs off the field, it's very difficult to make a judgment. But what I do know is it never seems that any manager we get, never, regardless whether it's Hovel, Mourinho, Graham, uh, uh, Redknapp, Pochettino, you name it, roll them off the tongue. There always seems to be a clash with the hierarchy, and one which the hierarchy always wins. Yeah, I mean, Simon, it, this is under Enoch. This is Tottenham's Daniel Levy's ninth dismissal of a manager, uh, excluding Santini, who walked. That's excluding all caretaker managers. Nine dismissals in. I think they've been there twenty years now. Kind of sums it up. Unlike Chelsea, and you were there for a while. Chelsea churn managers. But they get rid of managers who win things and then move them on. This obviously, you know, Levy made a gamble. He thought it was the right man. You've said at the top of the show, though, this was a manager he always wanted at Tottenham, a serial winner, a serious manager now in a serious stadium and all that. It hasn't worked again. Surely, uh, you know, you don't have to be an idiot to look at the board and go, clearly there's something wrong with the way the board appoints managers and then once you've got them... Backs managers in the transfer market, or particular. I don't know. I don't know if there's something wrong with how they appoint managers. I think there's something structurally wrong with how they support managers. If you want my opinion, um, and that's not just in the that's not just in the transfer market. I think that's just structurally within a club. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I question what support Mourinho had around him from the club. And I say this because having worked with him, 
and I know and I know him really, really well. He needs he needs sort of somebody around who can who can be a buffer, who can be a um, take a lot of the take a lot of the shit that he dishes out, be a bit of a sponge and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just want, I, I always thought from when he went in, I was desperately successful, that the structure wasn't right around him because of his unique personality. Now you can say that sounds very high maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. And he is unbelievably high maintenance, but he's a, but he's a serial winner. And that's what you're, that's the trade-off between reorganizing your structure to get the best out of him. It does mean it's all about him. And that's true. And maybe they didn't want to do that, but you've got to know, you've got to know what you're getting yourself into. And if you don't, then it's ne- it just won't be successful. It can't be because you, you haven't put the structures in place um, around, around him. That, that, that's, I think, partly what, where, where it's, um, you know, where it's gone wrong. But it's the deterioration since we were top of the league in December. That's the, you know, the way it's gone downhill so fast. And it can, it, it can do with Jose because the way he manages, or at least when I work with him, it's incredibly hyper-tense. Incredibly hyper-tense. And it's like a... And people say he's mellowed since then. I'm not sure I've seen that much evidence of it um, from, from afar. It's like a sort of wire, like a very, very thin, taut wire. And it's, when it's stretched to the maximum and it's super tense, you know, you get, you get the results, you know, everything's going in your way. But as soon as some of that tension goes, it sort of goes completely. And for some reason, around December time, um, you know, when we went top of the league, I, and I genuinely thought that we, were, we could win the league this year, um, it sort of just deteriorated. So, and never really came back after that. Mm. Theo, I mean, it, it, it's a result business. Levy's statement effectively said said that. Didn't go into much detail. Said really sad things didn't work out. But you've got to look at, 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 at uh, the results. 51% win ratio. One win in the last five Premier League games. Seven wins in our last 19 Premier League games, eight defeats. The football's been awful. Not only the defeats, the draws, games that we've been leading and we've then sat back. Uh, God, I mean, you know, Wolves, Palace, Fulham, so many games, Arsenal, uh, so many games when tactically he's then sat back. And, and, and again, he was brought in initially to sort a leaky defence out under Pochettino. It, it did, he, he didn't get that right in his first season and he hasn't got it right this season. The one thing, now you argue, oh, he wanted the centre-back, but there are other players there. I mean, they're professional footballers. You've got to get a tune out of them. One could argue he never really improved that many players. One could argue that Aurier was slightly improved. Kane was improved and Son with their goal scoring. But I think there's Dombele, possibly. But a, more, more players have gone backwards than improved. I mean, it, it was it was untenable. It was untenable at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, of course he had to go. I mean, that's a whole litany of reasons for why he had to go. I mean, at the end of the day, as as everyone always says, is a results business, and if nothing else, says that. But there's also the atmosphere. It's fascinating to hear what Simon says about the way he works. He's obviously very abrasive, and we've all worked in many 
situations where some people who are successful do it that way. You know, they create tension and they and they make it abrasive, and out of that comes energy and success. Uh, but his but when it goes wrong, as Simon said, it, it could just goes spectacularly wrong very quickly because he doesn't have much goodwill in the bank. There aren't many people saying, oh, he's a good guy, Jose. He's had a couple of bad results, but we'll all stick with him because he's a nice guy. Actually, look, if you look at nowadays, the successful managers, so at least uh, publicly, they seem like good guys who are friends with the player. I mean, Pochettino seemed like he was personal, very good friends with the other people around him, people like Harry Kane, people like Daniel Levy. Um Klopp is very much like that. Everybody loves him. Everybody in the club loves him. And I'm sure there is tension and and stuff behind the scenes. But I think the modern way isn't really the Jose way. I don't think players respond well to being called out in public and to have this kind of public conflict all the time. And basically, a lot of the time, he's, he's humiliating players. He humiliated the entire squad when he said, same coach, different players. He's basically saying, I'm brilliant. I'm one of the best. This lot, they're they're not as good as me. He said that in one little, that might have been the beginning of the end for him with Daniel, I don't know, with Daniel Levy, but, you know. Right, but, but Theo, I do, I do think players need to take some responsibility. Oh, yeah, of because, course. As Simon, as Simon pointed out, we were top of the league. And if you're saying it's about results, we are two points behind Liverpool. Yeah, well, Liverpool have had a shocking season. Who was supposed to, who were, who were spoken, who were, but it doesn't matter. If it's results you're talking about, we're only five points off the Champions League, we're two points behind Liverpool, and we're about to go into a cup final. Yeah, but that's why I say it's not just results. It's about the poison and the atmosphere and the general feeling, you know, bad feeling. that Fans all over the place saying, I can't even get up for this game. I just don't have a good feeling about this team anymore. How, 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 how we play or don't play is a different point. Him to be sacked at this point, but it's a reason he's sacked today. And he's not sacked today because we're about to play a cup final or we're not playing good football. He's sacked today because something is happening behind the scenes. Whether it's player power, whether Levy's speaking to players, and Simon might have a better insight into this, whether Levy's speaking to players and players like Kane or someone or Ali or Bale or people are saying we're not going to stay at this club if Mourinho stays and we're fed up with it or we don't like what he's doing, and blah, blah, blah. It seems to me like the players do play them off against each other. It seems like players are speaking to Levy. It seems that players are speaking... It happened with Pochettino. I mean, didn't they cut Pochettino's legs from under him? And don't the players have to take some responsibility for this? So, and also, players, players will be loyal to you right up to the moment they're not anymore. Yeah, but that's football, isn't it? That's part of the job. Yeah, that's football. So you don't... Li- <laughs> having having worked in a, you know, in a high-performing club and seen, seen, you know, seen a lot of this before, um, frankly, if you listen to, if you listen to the, if you listen to the players and, and take it all at face value, then you need your brains tested. Oh, yeah. Look, Simon, yesterday on Sky, they start, they got Podber up on an interview where he, they were asking him to compare Mourinho and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And his management style. Well, I can tell you the difference. Mourinho's won 32 trophies and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's won nothing. There's the difference. I mean, but you've got Pogba coming on saying, well, I prefer Ole, puts his arm around you and likes you. Mourinho, one minute you're his friend, the next minute you're not. How can you compare the two managers? 
One's won everything. One's won nothing. There's different ways, obviously, that managers get the best out of players. But I think it's easy... It, 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 it's easy to look now um, at what... and sort of say what went wrong. I... My question is, did they really, did the club really put in the structures around him to maximise the chance of success? What do you think he would have needed that they could have put around him? Um, You know, somebody who sort of knows him and would be able to communicate with the board, whoever the influential people are at Tottenham, should have got you in then, Simon. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Simon, can I ask you? Simon, can I ask you a question? Do you think? Do you think one of the problems is is that the the, the football club is run by a man who doesn't have football experience, who maybe gets badly advised at times, maybe takes the wrong approach. There seems to be a common factor here. Every single top manager we have goes. We don't win anything, and there's always one man left standing. And that's the chairman, who seems to have a, quite a hands-on role in running the football club, including the playing staff. He has a very hands-on role, and he definitely selects who the managers are. And it's not a particularly good, it's not a particularly good track record. I, I, I do wonder whether whether they really understood what they were what they were getting into with with with, with Jose. If, if, they, if, if, if Daniel Levy said tonight that he was resigning as chairman of Tottenham, would the three people on this podcast be happy or sad? Well, I, 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 I think Enoch have taken this club as far as they've, they, they can now. I, I think they've made a stadium, wonderful training ground, but you look at uh, trophies won, uh, not, not good enough. Uh, money invested on the pitch, not enough for a top team. Uh, I personally think they've taken the club as far as they can. Um, but, you know, us fans don't have to say so for them to sell up, which is their their business, uh, unfortunately. But I think they've gone as far as they can running this club. Well, that's not answering the question, Mike. The one thing that we still lack, and it, and I thought the reason for bringing, the primary reason for bringing Mourinho in was to add it is, is, is a winning mentality. And I, I, I include that with the players. I, you know, the, unfortunately, the previous manager, Pochettino, we got, you know, so, so close. But it was like that they still lacked that mentality to get it finally over the line. And I generally, putting, putting aside my friendship with Jose, I, he, he's a winner. He's a serial winner. And... I wonder whether, you know, partly he didn't bring everyone on that journey with him because there are not enough serial winners at the club. Well, Levy's a serial loser. He's done a he's done a brilliant job building the club, the stadium. Um, you know, we haven't won that much, obviously. And at the end of the day, it's all about it's it's all about winning. That's it. Well, that that but that but we say that we say that as fans, and we'll, we'll we'll obviously go on and talk about the Super League and and the machinations of that, and you know, you know, the football is is football fans are spitting feathers tonight. Theo, let me just ask you quickly now about again going back to the timing 
of it. Do you think maybe there is a possible... We know that Pochettino went, Mourinho came in very quickly. There was rumours that Arsenal were looking at Mourinho, leaving Mourinho very, very quickly to get Mourinho in. Julian Nagelsmann at Leipzig. There's obviously rumours that Bayern Munich are interested in Nagelsmann. Do you think possibly that's one of the reasons why he's been sacked before a cup final? Do you think a deal's going to be trying to be done uh, there? Just, you know, the latest odds from William Hill. Nagelsmann is 3-1 to favourite to be the next Tottenham uh, full-time manager next season. Rodgers is 5-1. to um, Parker... 10s, Santos 8, Benitez 9 to 1, Eddie Howe uh, 10 to 1. So Nagelsmann, the clear favourite. Do you think maybe there was something going behind the scenes that his people have said, we need to know soon that, that, that you will take him next season? Well, it's possible. But in Germany, they're saying it's a done deal, him going to Bayern Munich. And if you're him, that Bayern Munich job is a, is a fantastic job. And that's not a job where you lack budget i mean it's you know if you're nagelsman you would rather think that that looks like a better job don't you <laughs> i mean and it's the same with rogers people are people say rogers he's the second in the betting but you think he's he's got a really good job and they've been spending more money than us in the transfer market and they've got a more than comparable squad so he must he'd also be thinking well i wouldn't mind getting a so-called big six job but is tottenham at this moment the one for me to take and to jump away from leicester when i'm about to get in the champions league so uh, I, I mean, I'd like to think he's got a plan, but that, but it doesn't. You know, with Mourinho, it, we we knew within a we knew within hours, didn't we? And here he is putting. I mean, this looks like a really makeshift plan that he's got in place here. By the way, how come Ryan Mason got promoted over Ledley King? Maybe he's maybe he's a better coach. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's only been. I suppose they've only both been doing it ten minutes. That's I suppose that's the choice, isn't it? Neither of them been doing it very long. Well, I mean, it was in- interesting. If you if you remember the Spurs show May twenty eighteen, we had Ryan Mason on the show. Uh, yeah, he was at great. The uh, Hundred Club, and and for those of you that heard were there or heard the show, he said something very very interesting that night about the old guard being pushed out by the young players. He talked about a certain game where he had, we think it was someone like Kabul up against the wall. He was the he was part of the young players. Pochettino got the young players in and they started running the dressing room because the senior players were laughing and joking after defeats. And the young players, especially the ones that were Tottenham fans, Kane and Mason weren't having it. So maybe there's an argument we had uh, Hugh Lloris after Zagreb saying there's fractions in the dressing room, things are going on behind the scenes. Maybe uh, the board at Tottenham thought, you know what, Mason is the kind of person, he's obviously mates with Harry Kane, um, is, is a good one to see through things till June. But Simon, going back to the business of football... Harry Kane is Tottenham's biggest asset. No one uh, no one who supports Tottenham wants Harry Kane to leave Tottenham. Most sensible, if I was Harry Kane's agent, sadly, I'd be advising him to leave Tottenham, although he's under contract. Surely, again, you think Daniel Levy spoke to his biggest asset before he pushed the button? He may have done, but I... From my time at Chelsea, the idea that you should be speaking to players about whether you're going to sack a manager is utter madness, to be honest, because they change their minds all the time. One day they're in, one day they're out. They're in favour. You know, if, if you can't make that decision yourself, you're in charge of the club and you can't make that decision yourself. You don't go around canvassing views because then in the end, 
the players the the players sense weakness. That is a weakness, right? They'll sense it straight away. I mean, the next guy that comes in, they're better do the same. It's completely, it's completely the crazy to going going around asking players, what, "What do you think of the manager?" As soon as those words come out of your mouth, the the players know he's under, he's he's a goner, basically, he's or he's under threat. You know, I'd hope I hope that's not what I did. Maybe Harry Kane as captain, but you think he doesn't? Harry Kane doesn't go back into the dressing room and say, Daniel's, to, to one of his trusted guys, Daniel's pulled me aside and asked me what I think. Then it goes on to the next player and on to the next player. It, it very quickly spirals out of control. You know, mm. Daniel, mm. I, I'm assuming, you know, based should, should have come to this, whatever decision he's come to, should have come to it really himself, the other board members, looking at, the facts, looking at the data, obviously there's some intangibles that you can never quite, you know, the atmosphere, you can never quite put your finger on it. All these things have to go have to go into that decision. I mean, you know, when I was at Chelsea, we went through quite a few managers. So I've seen, uh, um, seen it happen. And I don't think Daniel's one to rush a decision. I think he's very thoughtful about decisions. Um, but, for me, I think the timing is still completely mad. Just before a cup final, yeah. I, I don't see. I don't see what benefit there is in doing it. I mean, we must have. We must have halved our chances of beating Manchester City just by M- Mourinho not being manager. Because the one thing you hundred percent know about Mourinho, and it, it may not have been pretty to watch, but he could come up with a plan against Manchester City. He has a very good record against Manchester City, right? And the only thing that matters on Sunday is winning that game. And, you know, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see how the players will go into that game in the right frame of mind now. They should go into it with the right frame of mind, but they're human. Uh, And as good as Ryan Mason might be, I'm not sure he's the person I would choose to prepare a Tottenham team for a cup final against Manchester City. Yeah, I I, I agree with the timing. Let's just go to a very quick break and we're back to uh, discuss more about this and the Man City game and Southampton in a few minutes. And we're back from the break. Uh, Rob, I mean, there's certain players there. Simon mentioned there about uh, players preparing and Ryan Mason. But let's face it, Deli Alley should be delighted. Harry Winks now has another chance to shine. Stephen Bergwijn, who seemed to be an absolute regular under Jose, has disappeared under a puff of smoke. I've never seen a player in favour not to, I mean, since that miss against Liverpool at Anfield. I don't think we've seen him again. You've, I've never seen a manager freeze out players. You know, these are like first choice players so much. Luis talked about um, the schisms within the dressing room. We don't know. We know there's a French contingent. Obviously, there's a French contingent. I know. I don't know who the goodies are, the baddies are. We'll probably never know. Um, but surely someone like Ryan Mason will come in, 
you know, we, we, we met him on the show. He's a lovely guy, very sweet, you know, Tottenham through and through. He'll keep things simple. You're dealing with professional players. We've beaten Man City. We've got a good record against them. We still don't know Harry Kane's even going to be fit. He's definitely out of the Southampton game. There's a prognosis tomorrow whether he'll even play. We don't know if it's ligament damage yet or not. We hope it isn't because he wasn't wearing a protective boot when he left Goodison Park. But, you know, can he get a tune out of them for 90 minutes? I mean, there's a precedent, isn't there? I mean, didn't we sack Martignol? And then... When Ramos came in, um, he won the League Cup for a short notice. I mean, in coaching terms, I'd say no. I mean, I'd say it, it's confusing. They're, they're used to a system at the moment with Mourinho. Um, you know, if you start picking mates or people that you played with or, or have been associated with, then that'll only lead to more dissatisfaction. You're playing one of the best sides in the world who, if you are not on your game, they will open you up like a can of beans. To me, it's like they're just going to throw the dice up in the air and see what happens. I, I think it's I think it's disrespectful to the fans because, you see, as a fan, we just, we're so excited about playing in a cup final. Um, you know, and the chance of actually winning something as a fan. We are so excited. For me now, it's just a shot in the dark and hope something comes out of it, which I, I, the chances are, like Simon said, we've probably ruined our chances. If they're thinking of another picture, like they're thinking, well, look, don't worry about this game. We'll sacrifice what we're going to do this weekend. And the bigger picture is we're going to get another manager in and we're going to go down the whole restructuring again. Well, then he doesn't understand fans because this is so much to an individual fan this week, this weekend, the whole build-up. I mean, you know, the build-up to a cup final. It's so, it's such a good time. You know, everyone gets, you know, the merchandise and gets all the stuff on TV and all the, you know, the build-up. It's so exciting. We only get it once every 10 years um, at the moment. And so all of that has been killed. Now it's just a shot in the dark. Can he get a tune out of the players? But if you can't, if the if the players can't sing a tune in a cup final at Wembley Stadium against the greatest team on the planet, well then again I go back to the point: is is the players need to look at themselves? I for me, I I mean I no, I don't often agree with Rob, but I think I do. <laughs> um, it just it just it just seems. The objective, the main objective was to win on Sunday. And if you if you understand Mourinho, you understand that he is so motivated by beating Guardiola, right? Quite why there's something historical there going back to his Barcelona days. And but he is unbelievable. I mean, we obviously played Barcelona, I say we when I was at Chelsea. Um, uh, Barcelona and Guardiola was the manager um, one of the subsequent times he was um, he was incredibly motivated by putting it putting one over another coach like a top top people who regarded as a as, as a top coach um, 
And so that just the time, unless there's been some horrendous incident, which means you cannot have continued, it, it, the timing is, is, just, is just totally wrong. You've got, a, you've got a, the one thing he does is he gets results, even if it's not pretty. Um, and on Sunday, we'd have all taken a win, even if it's not pretty. So I just think the timing is really, is completely, completely mad, actually. If it was going to happen at the end of the season, it happened at the end of the season, fine. But Yeah, I agree with that. Theo, I mean, Rob said there all the fans were excited and all that, but obviously the other thing that happened today, broke just before the Mourinho news, was the news that Tottenham are one of the six English teams to sign up to this potential new European Super League which, apart from a very piecemeal, a few other teams can join, uh, could mean, if it goes forward, that expulsion from the Premier League, expulsion from the Champions League, all the uh, bodies have thrown stuff at him. There's no Spurs fan out there that I've chatted to that thinks this is a wonderful idea. Uh, the Tottenham Hotspur uh, Supporters Trust have said, if if this isn't rethought, then we, we want this this... Um, the board or you know these owners removed Um, this is the other thing again how the club you know okay they've got the mood of the fans right with Mourinho had to go I don't think as Simon said many many fans expect him to go before the cup final but yet to, to show the disconnect between fans and the board this bizarre uh bid uh to be part of this European Super League which in a way is laughable for a club that's you know, it's currently languishing in seventh in the league and has just won a couple of league cups. Yeah, I was sort of amazed. We were, I, sort of, I was sort of amazed we were in the six. Yeah. Well, it's that, that's testimony to, to what uh, Levy has achieved. People forget that when, but when he, before he turned up, we were regularly mid or lower mid table, weren't we? And he has slowly, he's, brought, he's dragged us up there. I mean, it's only, in the, it's only in recent years there's been a big six with, with us in it, and he's got us back to that level. If you remember, obviously, in the 80s, there was a big five, and we were part of that. In the 90s, we weren't in a big anything. We were in a small, small to medium-sized kind of mediocrity for a long time. So he has managed to... It's interesting what you said also earlier about his spending. You said he doesn't spend enough money to make us compete with the other big clubs. But we've only, you know, we've only just crawled up to be in that, on that level. So it's a, it's a kind of... It's a bit, it's, it's difficult. You can see his, his case, you know, for that. Um, but nobody wants this bloody Super League, do they? It's a load of, it's a load of rubbish. It's an awful thing. And, and unfortunately, it's just about a lot of rich people, including Enoch, we have to say, uh, trying to guarantee massive income, revenue and profit uh, at the expense of competitive sport, which is uh, a, a hideous thing. We've even got the bloody Prime Minister, the future King, you know, both sides of the house in terms of the culture secretary and, and the shadow culture secretary. Anybody, anybody who's, you know, everybody's, is the most unifying thing I've, I can remember in this country, this, this uh, revulsion for this plan. And it's, uh, it's a bit depressing that, that uh, our club's gone for it. But I guess, I don't know, maybe they felt like they had no alternative. And, and who knows how it will play out. It's not necessarily going to happen the way they're saying, is it? Mm. Rob, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this... Uh... Super League and our, our potential uh, being part of it? Um, well, I'm probably going to get a deluge of, of, uh, of uh, <laughs> insults, but I'm actually for He's it. He's all for it. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, um, Unbelievable. Rob, Rob, I'm with you. I'm with you as well. Oh, my word. Wow. Simon's a great twat. 
I, I'm actually quite excited about it. I don't know exactly the format. Um, taken on what they, how it's how it's been announced, that's a bit clumsy because it, it doesn't really give you all the information. But ha- having lived in America for a number of years and seen how they run their sporting franchises and and systems, I do believe it's probably time to move on and and time to. I, I've, I think the Premier League's gone a bit stale and all this about tradition, about hundred years and stuff. I mean. You know, there's clubs we played in the 50s and 60s and 70s we don't play now. The FA Cup was probably the greatest club competition in the world, and that's gone. I mean, like, we've ruined that, that, that whole tradition of FA Cup. Why? Because because we've moved on in football. Like, the Champions League becomes so big that it's kind of overtaken everything in, in terms of um, cup competitions. And, OK, the Premier League still has its mass appeal around the world, but I, to personally, on, on this review, I've, got, I've gotten fed up with playing Burnley, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, teams like that. If you told me we were going to play Barcelona, you know, Real Madrid, Inter Milan every week, I, I mean, to, as a Spurs fan, as a football fan in general, I get it. I get why there's condemnation. I get, you know, all this about, oh, what about the smaller clubs? What about the lower leagues? Come on. I mean, do they really? I mean, I'm at a lower league club right now. I'm sitting outside one. I know they don't get that much help from from all this money trickling down. I mean, it's. I think it's maybe time to move on. And 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 I mean, when, um, the World Cup is in America in four years' time after Qatar, and there was talk that there'll be matches played in America, that that there'll be a World Club Championship at some point bigger than the one that is now. You know, where there's just an eight-team tournament. There'll be a bigger tournament. There'll be a World Club. Um, a league at some point. I mean, like football has going to evolve. It's going to move on. It's going to move forward. Things have changed since like the fifties and sixties and stuff. Things have changed. I'm I'm open for there to be something new. Whether it's exactly as they're saying it, I don't quite know. But I I, I must say, when I heard it, I thought from from a Tottenham point of view, wow, this is exciting. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. The other thing is we've got to keep it in perspective. This is not replacing Tottenham being in the Premier League. It's a midweek competition. It's a challenge to the Champions League and the other European competitions. Spurs, in my opinion, I think if Daniel and Joe Lewis have got us into the discussion, they've done really well because, you know, we may not have been part of that discussion and be part of that group. Um, it. I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it will be exciting as well. Playing, you know, Barcelona's and the Real Madrid's and AC Milan's and so forth. But that's that's always great. And you know, the Europa League is a pretty average competition unless you win it. If you don't win it, it's sort of pointless. Um, obviously, being in Champions League every year, but. Is, is important, but football, football has to evolve, right? And if the governing bodies aren't going to evolve with forward, more forward-thinking clubs, then there's inevitably going to split. I mean, there's all, you know, it just, it, it just, it happens. And we're far better off being in the mix in this. No one's going to throw Tottenham out of the Premier League or anyone else for that matter. They will come to an arrangement, some sort of arrangement with UEFA, 
about how how this is all how this will all be structured. Um, but I think it's great that we're part of the conversation because we haven't been part of the conversation for quite a long time. The last time we were part of the conversation was in the eighties, Irving Scholar, when we were in the big, you know, the big five, and we were very much central to um, what was all the developments in English football. So I was, you know, I was slightly surprised that we were we were one of the teams that were in it. But so Daniel's done well to keep us at the table there because our track record doesn't necessarily warrant a place at the table if you go over the recent years. Yeah, but I, I, I get all that, guys. But then again, if you look at... Uh, the, you, there's no... Comp- you look at the competition. If, the, if this happens and we reportedly get £330 million per team, you then... Spurs, great. We can finally go get the big players and all that. But then when you go back to the Premier League, you'll have the uh, six teams, the teams like Leicester, Southampton, Everton, West Ham, no chance of doing well now. We'll be another level of buying players. Then you'll get watching games, most Premier League games, which is an utter waste of time. At the moment, let's be honest, we barely beat those teams. I just, I just think it's ridiculous. I agree there should be a change in the Champions League in some way, a way of doing it. There's always been the haves and have-nots. Always. Yeah, there's an unlevel playing field in financially anyway. I mean, like, Leicester's people can't compete with Man City's and Liverpool's and Man United's. They can't. Yeah, but the big... But UEFA had already redesigned the Champions League in a way to help the bigger clubs, hadn't they? And... and uh, they, they'd all said that they were happy with that and that was always going to happen. That's why this all came as a shock. They'd all been lying through their teeth, which is incredible, really. But the thing about Not this... works in football. <laughs> but the thing, about, the thing about this model is the complete lack of relegation. So what they want is they want these 15 clubs to, regardless of what they do, how bad they are, how little money they spend on players, for example... They can they can become they can land bottom of this league this super league year after year and still remain in it and still get big money and if they so choose siphon it off you know I mean there's lots of fans of bigish clubs in the Premier League Tottenham fans included actually quite a lot of Tottenham fans certainly Newcastle fans and Arsenal fans definitely who think the owners are slightly taking the piss because. They make so much money, but they don't actually put it back in and buy the players to succeed because it suits them just to remain at a level and keep the money coming in. With this model, it gets way, way worse because there is no danger whatsoever. They can they can take all the money. But, the, but, but won't that encourage more exciting football? I mean, if you've got the if you've got the peace of mind of knowing you'll never be relegated, as indeed the NFL clubs have that same security. It means that they can plan, knowing full well that, you know, they're secure and can be expansive about the way that they approach matches and the way that they play because they don't have to be concerned about financially going down or being relegated or anything like that. Uh, Wouldn't that encourage really good, expansive football um, and and a quality of football that probably will be as high, high... as we've ever seen it. I think that's a massive leap you've made there uh, between 
no relegation and fantastic football. I mean, I can't see a necessary link between those things at all. Well, people, people, people get negative because they, you know, because they they they, they have fear of failure. Yeah, but it's just a tactic. You could say they just just as lightly say they're positive. They go for it because they can't they can't go down. I don't th- I don't think there's a, a link there. That's a separate. I think that's a separate issue. But there's, no, but there's no relegation in the Champions League now. We're talking about a competition that is not the domestic competition. No one's suggesting the domestic competition shouldn't have relegation anymore. If this revamped, whatever they want to call it, European competition is in a league system but with no relegation, there's no, there's no history to this. There's no right or wrong about a new competition and how whether it would be any good or not if there's no relegation. Relegation and promotion will, will, <laughs> will continue in the, in, in the Premier League and the and the championship. Yeah, but if you don't have to worry about it, don't you see how it can be abused? The owners can just say, well, why didn't, you know, even now, you know, you get fans saying, why didn't you spend more money on players? Why aren't you doing more to get a better manager? And in, in, when they don't even have a downside to not getting better players, they, they don't even have an incentive because their money is guaranteed year after year after year, however rubbish they are. I mean, there are teams in American football whose who's, uh, fans accuse them of that, who just trundle on taking the money and never achieve. But it's a business model. And it's as we know, it's a franchise. And they even move them to different cities because it's just a money-making business. It's a guaranteed business business where, you know, you have guaranteed revenues. So there's no incentive for some of these owners. Uh, let me, I'm going to pose a different question. Isn't it more important for us as Spurs fans that Spurs are in this club, if you like, rather than out, outside of it? We'll see. I mean, it depends what pans out. Maybe it is. I agree that it is a, an achievement to be, uh, you know, at the table, as you say. And as I said right, right early on, that Levy's managed to get us there, considering where we were. We wouldn't have been. This had happened twenty years ago. We wouldn't be at the table. But I tell you what, nor would Man City, and probably nor would Chelsea. That's the funny thing. But that tells you everything about football. It just happens to be right now. So I mean, you know, I'm pleased that we're obviously that we're in a big six right now. But that's again, that's. Uh, an accident of history in a way well look, let's uh guys we're running out of time and and obviously i'm sure we'll be talking more and more about this super league i don't think any of us thinks this that what was uh announced today will be the absolute blueprint but as simon said we're in that conversation and uh, the majority of fans i think are rightly uh against it let, let's uh let, we've got obviously got southampton uh tomorrow um, a team that had kind of been struggling a little bit. Hassan Hutal, one of the managers, bizarrely, that has been linked with us for a while. Uh, obviously, no Harry Kane playing on Wednesday. Uh, but then we've got Man City uh, as well. Theo, your, your thoughts on the two games coming up and predictions? Southampton are not very good. Uh, has, that manager did look good for a while. That's why we were linked with him. He looked like he might be the new Klopp, although rather less uh, sort of genial. But now he's, he's, you know, the results are bad. Uh, so I think, you know, we might get a result again Southampton because of a, a kind of new manager bounce. Is he going to be the youngest manager in Premier League history? Must be close to it, mustn't he, Brian Mason? As for Sunday, I think we'll lose. Uh, I think we'll lose quite straightforwardly. Simon, what are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, these games? Do you think we can uh, um, Wednesday and Sunday? I can see us getting a result a win against Southampton, I would say that our, as a result of Mourinho going, our chances of beating Manchester City 
which I thought were quite good, uh, have basically disappeared. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't see that how Man how we're going to beat Man City now. Fair enough, Rob. What were your thoughts? Southampton, Man City. You just don't. You can't predict anything at the moment. I mean, the way we're playing at the moment, a draw looks likely on Wednesday. Seems like we're drawing every league game possible at the moment. I think we'll get hammered on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get hammered. A uh, few bits of business. Uh, don't forget uh, this season when association with William Hill, the official betting partner, Tottenham Hotspur, gave you the odds there uh, for the uh, the next manager. Go to WilliamHill.com if you haven't already downloaded the app. Check out the website and the app for all the enhanced prices. Uh, they're fluctuating all the time. And go and check out the odds for the uh, League Cup final coming up. The signed shirt competition with, with them will announce that next week now because I just haven't had time to sift through all the retweets. If it's still time to enter that competition, if you go to our Twitter page, at Spurs Show, you should see the William Hill assigned shirt competition there. Next week, Paolo Hewitt's here, Stuart Maester and Jeff Pope. And don't forget, for premium content, including a daily news sp- uh, show, Expo interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com slash Spurs Show. Simon, we always ask uh, uh, people making their debut... Uh, on this show, can you remember your uh, your your first game at Tottenham? Your memories? I I actually can't remember my first game because I, I was so young that it was I was like three, so I don't remember my first game at all. <laughs> wow! I remember I remember a game against Leeds at home in sort of like 1974. But no, I don't. Um, I actually don't remember. I don't know what my first game was. My dad doesn't. My dad doesn't, doesn't remember either. Really? He was probably, probably too busy moaning, knowing your dad. Uh, <laughs> what, what was your first memory? What was the first game you actually remember? I remember the game. Um, that's a good question. I actually can't remember the first game. But I think the game when we beat Leeds. <laughs> I think the game when we beat Leeds. Do you remember when we were... Uh, that was like 1976 when we were going to go down. Yeah, the one we had to win, yeah. The Leeds game 4-2, I think that was uh, 74, wasn't it? So maybe it was a little bit later than that. Um, yeah. Maybe it was the year we went down. Maybe it was the year we actually went down that you remember the Leeds game. You should look it up. I remember very well the, the season we went down. I went to a lot of games that season. The other thing to remember, going back to Enoch and managers, Simon, if you remember... Uh, was it 2000, 2001, you set up a little thing? It was people like us now. Uh, it was like Spurs mates, uh, people who kind of in, who worked within the media. I remember you did a drinks at Rob's Restaurant downstairs. Spurs in the media. Rob's Restaurant Spurs then. And, the media. Uh, yeah. and I remember... Spurs in the media, and I remember Don Cullen was there for memory, and that was when... Uh, the club got worried that we were going to become a very influential pressure group because there were quite a lot of people in the media who were... Who are uh, there? Yeah, and they. I think we didn't. Is that when Hoddle came in? A lot of a lot of us went. We take Hoddle, and then Hoddle was appointed. Was that was that the manager that came in then? Yeah, I believe. I believe so. You got a better memory than me. The club offered to sponsor the drinks, and I didn't want them to because I didn't. We don't, didn't want to be beholden to them. No, you know, otherwise we couldn't moan as much. Exactly. Exactly. Well, no, no, knowing. Uh, Knowing Beppe that used to run the manager uh, the, the restaurant there, I'm sure it was uh, it was a few noughts adding on to that bill that night. Anyway, uh, so I just want to say that my my choice. I'm, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for 
a manager who I thought we should have gone for when they, when I didn't know they were going for Jose. I thought they should have gone for it, this for him, and it's Benitez. Wow. Well, he's available. Uh, no compensation. I mean, going back to Nagelsmann, if we went for him, apparently, according to reports, there's 20 million euros in compensation for Nagelsmann if he left in the summer. Benitez certainly won things, gets on well with players. Whether he'll play the Tottenham way, but let's be honest, Theo, we haven't seen the Tottenham way since the uh, the uh, early Pochettino era, have we? No. No, we just, uh, it's really, I can't remember a time where we were, where we got rid of a manager, where, there, where it seems there's so much doubt. I mean, I've got, I really just no idea. I've got no idea who he's thinking of at all, um, at, let alone how quickly it'll happen. If he wanted Benitez, he'd probably get him by, by the weekend. I, d- I think he's just, he's a brilliant coach. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of players like him. I thought he did a very, very good, good job at Newcastle in well, I was going to say very different circumstances, but one one could argue in very similar circumstances uh, at, at the moment. Uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening at uh, home. Simon, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, giving us your thoughts. Rob, thanks for coming back on. Theo, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back, as I said, next Tuesday uh, when we'll be looking back at the Southampton game and hopefully we'll be cock-a-hoop talking about another famous Wembley win. Let's believe us fans out there, you know, we're we're the ones that get the brunt. We're the ones that always feel powerless. But ultimately, as we've seen with the European Super League and everything going on, ultimately, it's still the fans that matter. And no matter what happens, we'll always love Tottenham Hotspur. Until next week, come on, you Spurs. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.